Radical evangelism. Say radical evangelism. It's about a couple of things, but before I go there, I need to explain a couple of words. I love words. Who loves words? And um, yeah, let's check out um, some of the theology behind evangelism. And uh, I'm not going to get into some dry teaching. Just, just hang on there. But I need to explain a couple of words to give you some paradigm of thought, to give you some perspective of what I'm talking about. Theism and deism. Say theism and deism. Yeah. Um, we, we've got to realise what these two words mean. Let, let's, let's work this out. There's a statement. Theology of evangelism rests squarely on the biblical notion that theism rather than deism dominates the universe. But, whoops, hang on. I, I've got to explain to you the difference between theism and deism or deism and theism. You ready for it? You ready? Here it is. Deism, so my app dictionary thing tells me, it says, deism, the belief in the existence of God, that is little g, on the evidence of reason and nature, but with the rejection of supernatural revelation. So we would have had people on the property estate, look, I think there is a God, little g. I think that there must be some intelligent being behind this universe. If you were under the open heaven last night, under our solar access, which is humongous, it's like an open heaven over this property. Did you know that? The, the evaluator, when he came out to evaluate this property, he says, he, he spoke to me in the car back, he says, do you know your solar access, I said, hello? He said, your solar access is so big over this property. I says, help me. He says, no, you have literally such a big solar axis, meaning to us an open heaven. There's nothing encroaching, no buildings encroaching upon you. So when you're under the stars like last night, you literally feel, oh my God, holy night. Oh, holy night. You, you can actually, like I took some photos last night of the sky and And so people can sometimes see that in their own life and say, yeah, look, I think there is, but I don't know if he's a big G God or a little G God. And I certainly don't know if it's Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, no, but I believe there's some force out there. So deism is actually an acknowledgement that there is a God, small G God, not necessarily a big G God. It's a belief in God who created the world, but has since remained indifferent, aloof and distant to it. So they don't live like us. They believe God is distant, like that song was sung years ago. How did it go? God is watching us from a distance. They, they believe God is way, way out there, and he's certainly not part of their world or around their life. They don't choose to believe that, not like us, that we believe in the manifest presence that God, Emmanuel, is with us. He's here right now. No, they believe God is way out there, aloof, distant, disconnected. He started the whole thing up, but he's left us to our own devices. Now, that's deism. Theism is this. This is powerful. This helps you understand because they did a survey in Europe and they found that 70% to 80% of Europeans were deists, deists, meaning that they believe in an existence of a God, small g God, 
But they don't believe there's any supernatural revelation of that God, meaning that there's no one, there's no supernatural communication of that God to us as people. Now, theism is this, the belief in one God as the creator and ruler, again, it's a small g, they believe in one God as the creator and ruler of the universe without rejection of revelation. It's a belief in the existence of, of God or God's opposed to atheism. Now, now again, theism is not saying that there is one true God, capital G. It's there is a God, there is a guru, and that's where you get all the different religions. There is someone sitting on a mountain high as a guru, and yes, he, he is the one, and he gives us revelation. And that's where you get a lot of that Eastern mystical stuff. You know what I'm saying? The, the Buddha is the one. Ma, um, what's his name? Mahavishnu. He, he's the one. <laughs> no, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one. That's where, so it's again, those two words do not signify the big G God. And a lot of, I think, I think a lot of Australians are very much like fall into one of those. They're deists, they believe, look, oh, holy night. Yeah, look, I, might, I think there might be a small G God out there, but, you know, he's certainly not part of my world. He's, he, he might have started all this, but he's not a personal God. He doesn't figure in my life. He's certainly not, a, he's not figuring in my affairs of life, helping my family. I don't need him. He's not, he can't heal me. He can't heal me. He can't bless me. He's way out there. He's aloof and he's distant and I cannot know him. I don't know who you people know, but I, we cannot know this God. Do you know what I'm saying? Is this helping someone? Then I want to talk about another word that I'll, I'll help you with. So I think we do. We have a lot of Australians that believe that there is a little G God out there and um, we cannot know him and he's certainly not personable. He's not personable to us. Theism is, it propagates a worldview wherein God not only initiates but remains remains involved at every level, from the cosmic to the individual. Theist believes in God who is everywhere, but also a God who is somewhere, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, the God of the theist can be known, wants to be known, takes the initiative in being known, remains intimately involved in his creation. And so the question is, we can ask these three questions. Does he choose to communicate with his people? That's one question I want to ask you this morning. Does he choose to communicate with his people? Two, how does he do so? And three, and with what message would we have us focus on as his people of what message would encompass? What message, if God was to communicate this message, what would encompass all that God is trying to say to us? What would it come down to? The three answers are, and again I ask you the question, does he choose to communicate with his people? And the answer is yes. How does he do so? Now, this is going to be hard for you. Incarna incarnationally. Incarnate. comes from the word incarnate, incarnationally. I've got to explain that word. I've got, I've got to do it because people are going to, Ugh, what's that mean? Uh, and number three, the message, the message he's trying to communicate to us and always has is the gospel. So I want to explain just those three. Does God want to communicate with us? Yes, he does. I want to explain that a little bit? And two, incarnationally, what does that mean? He's trying to communicate with us incarnationally. What does that mean, Pastor Phil? Help me check this out. 
Incarnationally. It says this again in my dictionary. A living being embodying a deity or spirit, taking on human form or nature. A personal thing embodying some quality, idea or nature from another. In this case, the incarnation of God through Jesus in the form of a man, the act of incarnating or the state of being incarnated. Wow. Three things we've got to be assured of. Three things. Three things we must be confident of. Three statements that give us the backdrop of our theology of evangelism. Number one, the God who communicates. It's so true. There's this principle of first mention. And if you go back into the Bible at the start of the Genesis, you can see straight up that God was communicating with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. He was talking to them, man. He was just communicating, intimately involved in their life. Is that true? So, so in the, through the principle of first mention, we know that God wants to communicate with us. The Bible's most explicit. The Bible is the perfect example, really, of God trying to communicate to us. If you believe that this Bible is the inspired Word of God written by holy men, you will know that God is desperately trying to reach to us. He's trying to share with us His life. He's trying to be intimate with us through His life. That's why He made Adam and Eve so that he could have friends to have 354 Christmas days with them. Not just one Christmas day where we go, wow, this is a great feeling, man. I love my enemies. I love my neighbor. Hey, buddy, how are you? Oh, this is awesome. He wants 354 days like that with you. Isn't that right? God is so wanting to communicate with you, James. If we only understood that much, we would be so blessed. You know what I mean? It's like Andrew. He rings me up and sends texts out yesterday because Jilly makes the mistake to allow Joey, my grandchild, two-year-old grandchild, to be looked after by the father, um, which is Jilly's husband. And Jilly's down here. She's working hard. She's organised this whole event. And then we get texts as Jilly's down here and Andrew's at home with Joey. I'm so blessed. I went out and I saw something and I bought it. It's a first bike. It's a first little bike with the streamers and the hat, helmet. And he's taken the photo and he's sharing this. Andrew is sharing this like God wants to share about you and me and C3 Tugra. He's probably up there now. Did you see what they did last night? Oh man, I'm just so chuffed. They really believed and they, you know, and... God is so wanting to share. That's, that's the whole deal. God is the first thing. What is the bottom line of evangelism? That God is wanting to reach people. God is wanting to share his life with all these people out there. He desperately wants to share. Would you let me share my great love for you? The desire of my heart is to bless you with not a bike, but so much health, Family, marriages, children, oh, joy, peace, righteousness, all these things. I want to bless you. And people go, I don't know if God's here. He's so distant. He's aloof. No, he's Emmanuel. God is with us. First thing, there it is in a nutshell. God is the God of communication. You love that? 
Number two, I'm moving along quickly. I could fill it in, but I won't. How does he share? He shares visually. And if you go way back from the beginning of the Bible, it's, it's, it's a visual thing. And so it's, it's incarnational communication that, okay, just to help you right there, incarnational communication is about the personification of God in a person and I'm in, if we are incarnating God, if I have the nature of God and the mind of God and the good will of God and the good deeds of God, if I was that 100%, I'd be Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm not Jesus. I'm about 1%. I mean, I'm a fraction. I'm not even that. Oh, God, I'm a sinner. <laughs> but Jesus was the personification of the incarnation of God. He came out of heaven and he went, I'm here with flesh on. God. People struggle with that. (laughs) But he was perfect. Perfect man, perfect God. The perfect gift to mankind when love came to town, you two sang. When love came to town, we were basically having a party last night about when love came to town. Because love came to town as a supernatural free gift to us to be forgiven, to have connection with God. Emmanuel, God with us, peace. Oh, I love this stuff. Now, I'm a friend of God. You're a friend of God. We are a friend of God. We have this divine connection through the free gift of Jesus. Born in a manger, there was no room for him. No room for Jesus here. Wyong said that. No room for Jesus here. You reckon? Well, okay, we'll start in the school hall at Cutler Drive. We'll start down in the, you know, manger. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, he knows. Well, there's no, no, no big fancy hall for us in Wild. No inn, no room in the inn for C3 Tugger. That's okay. We'll, we'll go down here, the school hall and the housing commission. We'll do that. We'll birth the church down here. We'll birth the, the baby Jesus down here. You know what I mean? And there began the visual presentation, the incantational version of communication, the incantational communication of God, which, if you go right from the start, happened through the, the Israelites when they were supposed to take on the true nature. The nation of Israel was supposed to take on the true nature of God the divine nature of God, they were supposed to walk out their days circumspecting God, holy and pure in God, radiating the glory, manifesting the good works, the year of Jubilee, helping the poor and the needy. That's all the nation of Israel. Being blessed to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing. That's the nation of Israel. When they let that down, God sent prophets and then prophets again. Prophets showed the incarnational God in a visual form, by the crazy things that they used to do. You know, there was one prophet ran naked through the city. There, there was a, you know, there, there, was, there was crazy things. The potter's wheel. There, were, there was all these visual effects that God was showing himself. Last night was a visual incantational message of God. It's the God of show and tell. Show and tell. Incantational God. Now, the more you can... Now, People ignored that. Then there was 400 years of silence from God. 400 years. Nothing. Because they ignored God. And then God sent John the Baptist. 
And that's why they went out to the desert to see John the Baptist. He hadn't spoken for 400 years. And they went out to the desert to see God speak, to see God communicating. I hope when people come to our church, they hear God speaking, not just a man. Because if God's speaking, they'll come into the desert. They'll come into the church. They will come and they will listen to you. But John the Baptist was setting up the excellent, the most profound version of this, of this, I guess, what do we call it, incartational communication, which was Jesus, the perfect representation of God. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. If you see me, you see the Gospel. And the Gospel was then presented in show and tell, in the signs and wonders, the miracles. And then Jesus died on the cross and rose and then he left behind the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then energized the church to do the same as what Jesus was doing. We are to do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit to be a show and tell people. We're little Christ. We're here doing our bit. How can we do this? Jesus, remember I said about Jesus when he had to feed the 5,000. Give me that bread here. Let me see what we can do with that. Here. 5,000 people fed. fed. Give me that wine. Just fill those vessels up with water. Now bring them here. Wine. Wow. He included us all the time. It's about partnership with Jesus. It's about partnering with Jesus. I don't know if you can turn that into wine. Let's see how he goes by himself. I've got no faith for that. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this church think they are? Who does this Jeff McManus think he is trying to pull off miracles? Let's see how you go, good buddy. No, Jeff, you do it, buddy. I'm a warrior, man. What do you need? Here's some faith. Here's some good words. Here's some encouragement. You know, it's about partnering with each other. And God wants us to partner with each other to incarnate God and represent God. And that's what we did last night. Hopefully we showed the nature of God in everything we did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, this is the nature of God. This is what he wants to do. He wants to heal you, wants to deliver you, wants to prosper you, wants to forgive you, wants to save you, wants to bless you. I love that. Come on, guys. This is what God wants to do. All right, quickly. I'm running out of time. Incarnational communication. He wants to share his heart. Body the nature of God. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. In the past, God spoke of our forefathers through the prophets of many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Oh, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. This is Jesus I'm talking about. And then he said, if you see me, you see the Father. So we should be like that. Because he says in Mark 8.35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, that means for my Father. So if you lose your life, Jesus is saying, if you lose your life for me, but when Jesus said me, he said he's meaning the Father, because he is representing through divine, divine what? Incarn- incarnation. He, Jesus, is is God the Father. Is that right? And he says, if you see me, you see the Father. So then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus in us. Then we should say, if you see us, you don't see Phil Oldfield, you see Jesus. Because I am 
emanating through divine incarnation. Incarnationally, I'm speaking. I'm trying to share the nature of God, the love of God. If I was speaking as a mere man, it's just Phil Alto. But I'm trying to emanate. Do you know what I'm saying? And C3 should be like that. We should be like that. Mark 10, 29, he says it again. I tell you the truth. Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me. That means the father and the gospel and not be rewarded. That means all that you did yesterday, guys, all that you did for the carols. If you did that for the Father, if you did that for, the, for Jesus, but if you did that for the gospel, guess what, guys? Big rewards, okay? Number three, what's the last one? What's the last one? What's the last one? Skip two, three pages. Wow, that was a big, long message, wasn't it? I've cut down. The third part of the theology of radical evangelism, what was the first part? The first part that God wants to communicate. Who believes that? The second part... The second part, what was it? The second part was this, incantational communication. It's hard to get your lips working around that word. You don't use it regularly. But the third part, that means the second answer was show and tell. God wants us to put the carols on and more events. I want to do a kids event. I want to hire more rides, more food, more sausages, more, more parents, more kids. And I want to present God through three major events in the year. Sorry, guys, shouldn't have told you that now, but so soon after this last one. But, uh, third one, the message of good news. What is the message that God is trying to communicate to us? The message is the gospel. It is the gospel. 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8. Says, whoever does not love does not... Know God, because God is love. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not a God of disorder. Now this is the second major component that God is trying to release through the message and the message is God. It's not some theology of something. It's the message is God. It's Christ in flesh. That's the message. When you saw Jesus, when you see Jesus in the gospel, that's the message. What's the message? The message of redemption, the message of love, the message of peace and goodwill to all men. I'm nearly done. The message will be one of love and peace, loving God and being at peace with God and therefore loving others and being at peace with him. Just a couple of more scriptures. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life, that we've come from being disconnected from God to being saved because we love our brothers You know when you're born again, when you can love 700 people standing in your paddock. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. 1 John 3.16, for this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Well done, all the guys in the church and the women that laid your life down last night for the carols. We know that that is a great love that you have for this community. 
and again Luke 10, 27, it talks about when we have love with God, we can have love with ourselves, I mean, peace with ourselves. When we have peace with God, I'll start again. When we have peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves and then we can have peace with others around us. Where does it say that, Pastor Phil? Luke 10, 27 says, He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. So once you've got peace with God, you can have peace with yourself and then you can have peace with your neighbour, no matter who they are, even if they're unsaved, even if they're your enemy. That's why Christmas is the perfect time to reconcile your extended family because the grace, it's all stand on this The grace is so abundant. People can feel it. You can't deny this grace around this Christmas season. Why don't you befriend your mother or father again? Why don't you share some love with them? Again, the third part of God's evangelistic program is the gospel meaning the God of the gospel, the message of, of love and of peace. Father, we can't help ourselves. Yeah. You placed yourself in us and now we love this community. Yes, now we love our neighbour. Yes. Now we love our, our friends at work. Now we love these enemies that try and... We love them, Lord. Why did you do this to us? I don't... But I'm compelled to reach out. I'm compelled, Lord God, to see you communicated incarnationally. Show and tell your love, your kindness, your goodness. 1 Isaiah 42, 6 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, the unsaved. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, he says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, C3 Tugra, to restore the people of Jacob, to restore the lost into God's kingdom and bring back those of Israel I have kept? Isaiah 52 verse 10, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth and we will see the salvation of God on earth.